Dr. Bratton Month is continuing, Smarties. Today, we all talk about how processing speed impacts social skills. We dig into the impact that processing speed has on social skills. Dr. Bratton once again defines processing speed and shares that about 40% of students with processing difficulties will report social difficulties as well. She goes into the reasons why, including children missing out on opportunities or sometimes finding themselves in situations they didn't know or expect they would be in. She shares that the social impact of the processing issues is often a combination of the impact in self-awareness and the environment that learners are in. The three of us strategize about how to help learners with processing difficulties mitigate the impact on their social world through preparation and building awareness. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 167 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And we're having a month of Ellen. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> we're happy to have Ellen Bratton back with us. Hi, Ellen. Hi there. Glad to be here. So last week, we talked all about time perception and ADHD and time blindness and overscheduling and what we do to sort of help support kids who don't have an accurate perception of time. And today, what we wanted to chat with you about was social skills and processing speed. So I know we've gone over it. I think it's worth saying it again. Agreed. First of all, Ellen, introduce yourself to our audience again in case they haven't listened to the previous episodes that we've recorded with you. <laughs> okay, I won't try and get creative either, but I'm Ellen Broughton. I'm a child psychologist who has a clinical practice in pediatric neuropsychology, so I evaluate kids with learning, attention, emotional, and social skills weaknesses. And I'm also at Massachusetts General Hospital at the Learning and Emotional Assessment Program, and I'm an associate professor at Harvard Medical School. I really have an interest in processing speed, ADHD too. I started out in ADHD and I'm now really interested in this whole idea of how long it takes kids to get things done. Processing speed. It's a thing. What would be your academic and then lay person definition of processing speed? So I think it's the same, to be honest, because <laughs> I don't think you can complicate this definition, which is the time it takes someone to do something in a given period of time. So how long it takes to do something, basically. And if we tried to complicate it any more than that, it'd be unnecessary. It's how long it takes you. How long it takes you to take in the information, do something with the information, like process the information, and then respond Exactly. So all of that, when we're talking about how long it takes you to do something in a given period of time, almost always that involves those three aspects, like receiving, doing something with it, and an output. You can have problems in one of those three areas, but usually it's kind of a combination thing where it takes a while to perceive it, to formulate a response, and then give the response. And of course, depending on the response, it may you may be quicker or not. So if it's a written response and graphomotor stuff is harder for you, you're going to have slower processing speed in that way. If it's harder for you to verbally formulate a response and speak, that's going to be slower for you. So it, it can really vary depending on the child's. Interesting. And I'm just going to throw this out there. What about sensory processing stuff too? 
right? That affects it. And for those of you who don't know, it's how your senses take in information and then respond to it. Exactly. That's just like another part of what can slow down some sort of processing speed as well, right? Or reaction. Absolutely. Yeah, reaction. So if you're really hypersensitive in terms of touch and you're trying to process other stuff at the same time, it's just going to bog you down. And we don't really know exactly the relationship between those two areas, although we've got some preliminary data that shows that kids with slower processing speed have higher rates of sensory processing issues as young kids. So it's not something we've published on, but there seems to be a relationship and not a perfect relationship by any means, but it's more likely they're going to have reported something as a child. And, you know, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's me. So fascinating. Can I ask what kind of sensory processing? So a couple of things. When I was a baby, my mom put me in the sand and I screamed bloody murder. And also I was really finicky about my socks. Mine's all touch. Yeah. So I was really finicky about the little line in my socks and I would cry. And my mom just thought I was being difficult. And it wasn't until later when I figured it out. The socks over the toes, you mean? Yes. Oh yeah, that is annoying. Like even now I can tolerate it. But I think when I was really little, it felt like something was stabbing me in the foot. So there's that. And I have some food texture stuff. It's very hard. There's a few textures that I can't handle and don't want it to be any part of anywhere. (laughs) Keep it off your plate. Yeah. Beans (laughs) can't touch anything. Like I can't with that. Like the texture is just the way they mush. I can see that actually. I don't like it. And I love Mexican food. It's my favorite. So everyone's like, really? You don't like beans? Anyway. So yeah. So it's interesting that you say that. That's so fascinating. Okay. Yeah. And then you think about it. If the child is having trouble processing the fact that their sock isn't on right because it feels like their foot's on fire, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's going to be hard then to process what's going on in the environment too. And you're going to miss out on other things that were going on. So if you've got a kid that is struggling with, let's say their sock and they're sitting in the classroom and that's now all they can focus on. They can't receive any other input. And I'm sure that I'm guilty of saying like, can you just do that later? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't work now that I'm thinking about it. And going back to social skills. So let's talk about how, if all those things are going on at once, what's going on with the social skills? You know, it's such a great topic to go toward because kids with social skills often also have trouble with sensory processing issues as well. And, you know, I got interested in processing speed because of my interest in ADHD. But I also saw that it seemed to constitute a group of kids who, regardless of the diagnosis, had more trouble engaging in the remediations and benefiting from accommodations than kids without processing speed weaknesses. And one of the other things that I was also curious about is a lot of times I was getting referrals for kids for autism Mm -hmm. diagnoses or disorders. And they were oftentimes older kids. So autism is usually diagnosed at a younger age because it's a developmental disability. But I would get referrals from pediatricians or schools or educational therapists. You know, I've got this 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, even older, who just you know, the referral would be rule out autism spectrum. 
And I would see these kids and I would almost say immediately, have autism. And the fact that even the referring person hadn't diagnosed them with autism was also a clue too. But what we found when we started looking at the data on kids with processing speed difficulties is we found that a lot of them also had social difficulties, about 40% of them do. Hmm. And some of those kids also have autism spectrum, but you know, it's maybe like 10% of those. There's a large number of kids who have reported social difficulties and people are concerned about them, but don't at all meet criteria for autism spectrum but they have this really significant processing speed deficit. Now, I should say, too, that most kids with processing speed deficits do not have social skills issues either. So we don't want to just pigeonhole everybody with a with slower processing speed does. But many more did than I would have expected. But then when I started thinking about it, it sort of paralleled what I was seeing clinically in that these kids were being referred for social skills weaknesses, but nobody could sort of pinpoint why they were having these troubles. And what we really hypothesized is that really social skills take a lot of processing. And as kids get older, they seem to have more difficulty processing that complex world in which we live. And then when you really think about it, I mean, our world is very complex socially and we're not getting the kind of feedback in the moment that we need to get from the people around us, we're getting a lot of our social communication and connections through social media. So kids aren't learning the sorts of social skills that they need in real time. So that was sort of a surprise and at the same time not. Wow. Let's talk about an elementary school kid. What would it look like for a kid that had a slower processing speed, struggling with social skills? What would that show up like? What would a parent see? A good example is the child is always a step behind everybody else. So it's time to go out for recess and they're the last ones to get on their coat and they're sort of distracted maybe a little bit by something that's going on and everybody else is rushing out to the playground. They know exactly what it is they want to do. And kids with slower processing speed oftentimes have trouble deciding what it is they want to do. And partly it's because they don't always see or process all the options And other times it just takes them longer. Well, if recess is only 12 minutes and everybody else is rushing out to play and you're the last one out the door and you want to sort of peruse what's there before you make a decision, you're going to look like you have social skills weaknesses. So I should say that a lot of these kids do not have true social skills weaknesses, but their parents are reporting this. So we'll say nobody plays with them at recess time or nobody invites them to their house for play dates, even though they are, but they don't either respond in real time or they don't get that somebody was asking them. And again, not because there's a primary social skills issue there. It's not that they don't understand social relationships or how those things work. It's that they missed an opportunity. And so that seems to be at the root of it. So then this example that I gave about a child who's always the last one out for recess or misses out of sitting next to somebody on the bus at the end of the day because everybody else chose their partners very quickly and, hey, you're with me. And and they're still sort of percolating with, oh, it's time for the bus now and I need to get on there. That's where, you know, they'll then report, nobody sits with me on the bus. The parents will hear this. They'll make the referral to the pediatrician who will call me to evaluate. You know, sometimes they've missed something, but 
usually they haven't. And this issue of identifying the processing speed weakness can be very helpful to know that it's not necessarily a spectrum issue, but that it's diagnosis. Yeah. It's important to figure out what's going on because the treatments are very different. And you might not need social skills training if you've got a problem with processing speed as your primary issue. Yeah, that's not going to be helpful. Yeah. And so what about if you're talking about middle school or high school? What sort of examples could you give parents that they're missing or what it looks like for that age group? Two things. One is that they miss out on things, so they miss out on opportunities. So they'll be in a group of kids. They're all talking very quickly, like, hey, you guys want to come over to my house or you want to meet up after soccer practice or whatever, and they sort of missed the conversation that went on. They're just a little bit out of the loop. Other times, it can be much more dangerous in a way that sometimes they find themselves in a situation that they didn't mean to be in because they sort of missed the social cues along the way. So, for example, they might not know that they're going to a house where there's a party and there's going to be drinking. And then all of a sudden, they find themselves at this party, maybe not even drinking, but they're there because they missed those social things that are part of the quick discussions that happen. The undercurrent, the wink of like what is going to be happening at so-and-so's house. The undercurrent, exactly. Yeah, the nonverbal cues that might be happening really fast. Exactly. And they're having trouble pulling that all in. You know, they're having trouble processing the conversation and then the nonverbal cues. And then they can find themselves in situations they never expected to be in because they missed out on what was really happening. Wow. I would love to ask you about what that looks like in adults, in the workplace, or even social relationships between adults with the processing speed and the social cues. What does that look like then? You know, I think it's really dependent on the situation that the person is in. If it's a well-matched job, if it's a well-matched partnership and social grouping, I think that they're just going to look like the kind of person who just says, wait a minute, what did you say? More than others. It may even be sort of teased about that, or maybe not even, it might not even be noticed. It becomes a problem when they're in a situation where they can't keep up. And in that case, what you find is very anxious kind of adults, ones who are always told like, why didn't you get that done? Or why didn't you keep up? Or you're behind in your paperwork, or you're just you know, fill in the blank to any kind of job that has a lot of rote sort of stuff to it, a lot of paperwork or stuff that has to be done very quickly. If a person with this sort of you know neurocognitive profile is in that kind of situation, you're going to see a very different sort of person than one who's happily matched to their situation. But I also find that it depends on how much self-knowledge the person has. So if you kind of know that, listen, I'm just the kind of person that takes a really long time to get this done. Give me an extra whatever. I'll get it done. It'll be great. Versus the one who doesn't know that that is even a problem for them. And so they're always behind. They can't admit it because they don't even know that it's an issue that you can kind of take ownership of and not be ashamed of. It's just like, we're all different. I talk really fast. And that can be irritating too. We just have to be aware of what we're capable of doing. So that question is such a good one, but it is so dependent on the person's self-knowledge and the environment that they are in. Wow. I think there's probably a lot of parents that are sitting there right now thinking, 
about their children and students in their classroom that they see this with. But I hope the adults that are listening are also self-reflecting on what it looks like for them. And especially because there could be scenarios, like you're saying, there could be scenarios where nothing is even affected. And then in other scenarios, it's definitely going on. I think this is the most difficult area for parents that I have found is that social skills. We all want our kids to be well-liked by their peers. And so it's so fraught with anxiety for parents. And it can just be really difficult to self-reflect about that because you want to protect your own pain as well as your child's pain. So it's hard, but it is a very important thing to do think about. And also think about the fact that it's not across the board. In some cases, these kids can be a leader socially because what's needed in the environment is a sort of calm, thoughtful approach to a social grouping or situation. And at other times, you need somebody who's really quick and able to harness their resources in ways of moving people very quickly. But both are important and both Kinds of personalities can be leaders. It's just you're going to be leading different kinds of things or being aware of the fact that this is difficult for me. And that's why what parents can do is to help prepare their kids in lots of different ways. Think about what they need and before they're even in the situation. Yeah, I was thinking about that for the example of like everybody has somebody to sit with on the bus. Well, you can coach your kids to say, hey, in the morning, who would you like to sit with on the bus? Go ask them. Go ask them. So you guys have a plan together and they may sit down and have the bench already ready for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of coaching. I love it. Yeah, that's absolutely what I would recommend. And on the playground, for example, like think about it like every day they either play this, this or this. Give some thought to that before you get there. I grew up going to sleepaway camp and I went from like fourth grade on and I was only homesick the first night and I was only homesick during like the end of the night singing or whatever and I started crying because I was going into fourth grade I was really young and my counselor pulls me aside and says look kids always get homesick during this particular time of day because you have time to sit and think about it that you're not with your parents so what I want you to do is I want you to make a plan for free time tomorrow what do you want to do wow And not only I never was homesick again, because I was like, I got to make a plan for free time tomorrow. But, you know, when I grew up and was staff, I would tell my kids that too, like create a plan. So that's what that reminded me of when you were saying that. Mm -hmm. As a parent, how would you talk to your child so that they have the metacognition about this is something that goes on with them? As kids get older, I oftentimes just talk to them about the fact that Some people, they like to do a lot of things all at the same time and do it very superficially. That doesn't sound good, but I don't mean it in that way. And then other people like to think deeply about one thing at a particular time. And you tend to be one of those kinds of kids. So in social relationships, a lot of times those things go by really quickly. And people and kids, especially in middle and high school, tend to go around in big packs of kids. You might be the kind of person who just wants one or two friends at any one time, and maybe not, but I would talk to them about what is it that you want out of friendships? What makes you feel really good? What makes you feel happy? Who are the friends that you can pair up with? And sometimes it's great to have a friend who's sort of similar to you in terms of their processing things, you know, the sort of friend that you sit around and talk philosophy with. And other times it's great to be paired with somebody who's really quick. And you kind of keep them steady and they sort of move you forward. 
And it's just got to work for you. That's the big issue here. So talking about, you know, everybody has differences. And I also tell parents, it's really wonderful to talk about their own sort of issues in this. Because it's really key for them to understand where they fall on this spectrum, where they like their child, or are they the opposite? I mean, I just anecdotally find that people tend to pair up in opposites. Like I'll meet the mom, she'll bring the child in for the evaluation and she'll be a really fast talker and have everything, you know, all the snacks ready to go and this, 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 and this, and and the child will have slow processing speed and then I'll meet the dad and we'll be quiet and thoughtful and it can be a wonderful pairing, but you've got to be aware of what your impact is on that child. And that can help sort of laying the groundwork for what they expect out of social relationships. I'm absolutely the person, both in my marriage with Stephanie and in my marriage with my husband, who's pushing everything forward. And both of them are a steadying force of like, one thing at a time, let's like think this through, you know? So it's just in like my two main relationships. And it works. It totally works. Self-awareness is so key. And if you can instill that in your child to say things like, gee, I notice when you're in a group of like 10 kids, it's hard for you to whatever, fill in the blank. So next time, either pick a smaller group of kids for your birthday party or whatever, or let's plan ahead and see what you need in order to make it more fun for you. So yeah, it's all about finding people in our world that complement us and make us better. And the world would be terrible if we were only one kind of, you know, speed. Yeah, the world doesn't need more than one of me in my relationships. (laughs) I'm just sitting here thinking about this birthday party idea that you just mentioned. And it just made me go, whoa, my favorite birthday parties were getting one, maybe two friends and going to Disneyland and like spending the night down there or going to Knott's Berry Farm or something like the amusement parks here rather than having a big party. Like I had a bowling party when I was really little, didn't really have that much fun. Yeah, I was good with the big parties. Now I don't want the big parties anymore. I loved the one-on-one, just hang out and have fun type of scenario rather than the having to navigate multiple social scenarios all at once. That's interesting. Makes absolute perfect sense. And also you knew what was coming too. Like you sort of knew like our day is going to start at this time. These are my favorite rides as opposed to, you know, Let's show up at the bowling alley. Where are the shoes? Like, There's just a lot to keep track of even before you get to the social stuff. Who's coming? Whose parents are going to end up staying? What everybody's going to eat and when? And yeah, yeah, so that's interesting. I think that's a really good point for parents. If they don't want to have a big party, don't make them and vice versa. What is enjoyable for you? And having those kinds of conversations with your kids, it helps so much in terms of life skills because- how much do we struggle in life trying to figure out what do I really want now? And will this make me happy? And to instill that at an early age is really wonderful gift. Thanks for teaching us all about processing speed and social skills today. (laughs) I'm fascinated by all of it. Always. You're welcome. (laughs) The processing speed issue almost, and I don't want to use the word treatment, but almost the response to it is similar to how you would respond to anxiety. Have a plan. Mm-hmm. kind of go look at the space in advance. Like for me, I always want to know where the bathroom is. 
Like that's a big thing for me. And so like having a plan will help sort of improve social relationships from a processing perspective. And then from the anxiety perspective, because as you get older, like those types of interactions are going to lead to like more anxious concern, not necessarily full on anxiety, but like anxious concern. Biggest recommendation for processing speed issues other than giving yourself more time for whatever it is, is making the world more efficient. And that's really what you just described is how do I make things more efficient plans? This, you know, what is it that will take all of the extraneous stuff out of the equation that I don't have to process? So, you know, it's interesting, Stephanie, you seem to me like a person who likes to do that. So it's almost like you develop that kind of coping skill that I did. Wait a minute, I've got to make my world more efficient because that's how my world functions best. And so you've done that already for yourself in a way that's really a hundred percent. She makes my world more efficient. Yeah. Things will happen at my home. We're new homeowners, my husband and I, and things will happen. And I'm like, I didn't even know this was a thing. And I'll text (laughs) staff and she'll just text me back and link a what to buy to like fix it. You know, like the dishwasher was smelly. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And sometimes I'll have been struggling with a problem for a while And then it'll occur to me, maybe ask staff what to do. And then I'll tell her like, oh, we've been trying to figure this out for like three weeks. And she goes, why didn't you just ask me day one? I didn't think about it. So yeah, everywhere I look, I look at how to make it more efficient. Yeah. So this is where weakness is a strength. Yes. And this is why, you know, when parents tell me, how do we make them faster? I'm like, do we need to? I mean, we need to make them happier. We need to make them more efficient. We need to make them more successful and confident. More aware. More aware, exactly. But more fast. I mean, unfortunately, we don't know how to do it. So biggest complaint I get from parents is like, but you didn't tell me how to make them faster. It's like, if I could, I would definitely do that. But we don't know that yet. And then it's sort of like, why not? You know, when you think about sort of diversity and how people act, why do we want to get rid of that diversity? It's so true. Wow. I'm fascinated. Thank you. Ellen, thank you so much for taking all this time. Our audience is going to love Ellen Bratton Month and we love getting to spend time with you. We do. So thank you so much. Next week, we're going to be talking about what the difference is between processing speed versus a sluggish cognitive tempo. We're really excited about that conversation, but thank you so much for everything. Yes. You're welcome. You guys are so much fun to talk to. (laughs) have a great week smarties yeah have a great week have a great week (laughs) yay